and welcome to MedBoard Matters. I'm your host, Jean Fisher Brinkley, Communications Director for the North Carolina Medical Board. In this episode, we are going to take a look back at the Medical Board's work in 2020. Now, I know a lot of people would just as soon forget 2020 and all of the challenges the coronavirus pandemic brought. But it is annual report time for the North Carolina Medical Board, so we are going there. The Medical Board has produced an annual report of some kind since at least the mid-1990s. Back in the early days, the report focused mainly on the public actions taken by the Board. But really, public actions are just the tip of the iceberg. There is a lot more to the Medical Board than just discipline, and our annual report now reflects this. I have to say, it was kind of inspiring to look at all the North Carolina Medical Board achieved in 2020, because it was an extraordinary year. We went from most staff in the office every day to almost everyone working from home. We had to figure out how to present bi-monthly board meetings virtually. We had to figure out how the medical board could best support North Carolina's pandemic response, which frankly resulted in a mountain of additional work for board staff. And of course, staff were still doing all of their regular work associated with licensing and regulating the practice of medicine. But we made it through. No, scratch that. We didn't just make it through, we crushed it. Now I'm bragging a bit, which I hope you will forgive. I know that most organizations, most families have similar stories of triumph over adversity to tell. In fact, I'd encourage you to think over what you accomplished in 2020. Whether you own a medical practice, help run a hospital, or are just a private citizen doing the best you can under difficult circumstances, I'd bet there is a lot to feel proud of. Let's get started. The North Carolina Medical Board Annual Report covers the previous calendar year. So in this case, we looked at the work completed between January 1st and December 31st of 2020. Let's start with some demographic information. In 2020, the total number of medical professionals licensed by the board exceeded 55,000. This represents a more than 7% increase from the previous year. It's also the first place that you see the impact of COVID-19. In a more typical year, the total licensee population might increase about 2%. So what happened there? Well, in order to make sure that North Carolina had enough boots on the ground to help with the state's needs during the pandemic, the medical board allowed out-of-state clinicians and recently retired clinicians to obtain emergency temporary medical licenses. For example, use of telemedicine visits absolutely soared last year. We suspect a good many of the new licensees are out-of-state physicians and PAs who obtained North Carolina licenses so they could provide telemedicine care to patients in our state. Speaking of licensing, it was a huge year for the Medical Board's licensing program, which issued more than 7,000 licenses during 2020. That's a 32% increase from the previous year. More than 4,700 licenses went to physicians, and that's both MDs and DOs, and more than 1,100 licenses were issued to PAs. Training licenses for resident physicians accounted for nearly 1,200 additional licenses. Coronavirus had an obvious impact. Nearly 28% of all new licenses issued in 2020 were emergency temporary licenses. Now let's take a look at what happened with the board's enforcement program. No one had any idea what to expect here. With hospitals canceling elective procedures and so many people staying away from the doctor in 2020 because of the pandemic, 
Would we see a drop in complaints? Could medical board staff be efficient handling enforcement cases while working remotely? We didn't know. Well, NCMB did see a drop in complaints from patients in the public, which is the largest source of enforcement cases for the board each year. Complaints fell about 4% from the previous year. And the total number of enforcement cases opened from all sources was down about 6% overall. There were 2,100 new enforcement cases opened. It seems likely that coronavirus is at least partly responsible for that reduced volume. The interesting thing is that the board really didn't see a drop in regulatory actions. The total number of adverse public actions, what most people call disciplinary actions, was virtually unchanged in 2020 compared to the previous year. And the total number of confidential actions actually increased significantly in 2020. Confidential actions are taken in cases where the board has concerns about aspects of the licensee's conduct or the medical care they provided, but doesn't feel that the situation warrants public action. In 2020, the number of these confidential actions increased by about 35%. That is a pretty good high-level overview of the board's work in 2020. Of course, there is a lot more detail in the full annual report, which you can find online at www.ncmedboard.org. The medical board, like all organizations, was profoundly impacted by COVID-19. The pandemic showed up in lots of different ways in the board's work. NCMB also has had a role in the state's pandemic response, though I suspect not many people fully understand what that role has been. I've asked Evelyn Contry, NCMB's chief communications officer and one of the board's two legislative liaisons, to join me to discuss this. Evelyn, welcome. Thanks for having me. I want to start by making it clear that the North Carolina Medical Board does not have a direct role in determining the state's pandemic response. That's the job of the governor and the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. Evelyn, what is the best way to characterize NCMB's role in supporting the state's efforts? You know, primarily our role was to maximize the supply of qualified healthcare clinicians, and in our case, physicians and PAs that were available to support the state's response to the medical needs of patients in our state. Secondarily, it's communicating with those licensees. Uh, So those were really the two areas uh, where we could have the most direct impact. Great. Can you give some examples of steps that NCMB took to maximize the supply of medical professionals during the pandemic? Uh, Absolutely. So prior to the onset of the pandemic, we had emergency licenses that we had developed to respond to more localized and short-term crises like hurricanes and floods. We had these um, what we called limited emergency licenses. And so we started off in a good position to where we could make this available online. It's a quick and easy application and a very quick turnaround. What we were able to do is to modify that because we wanted to bring in physicians and PAs who had recently gone inactive. We quickly created another emergency license to try and bring in some of the retired doctors and PAs. But we also started thinking through what are the sticking points? You know, Mm -hmm. how are our rules and requirements for licensure creating problems when all of a sudden the entire state shuts down? testing centers shut down, so students who are graduating can't take their test upon graduation. 
Uh, we had issues getting background checks completed. You know, those require getting your fingerprints taken. And so part of the process was listening to our stakeholders. You know, GME offices call us and say, these testing centers are not available anymore. How are we going to get our new graduates into a resident training license? Or people that are applying for a license tell us that they can't get the letters of recommendation or they can't get to the notary. Um, Some of these little basic nuts and bolts of the licensure process became a sticking point. And so we, our staff did a really good job of reviewing what are the things that are not going to be possible and what can we do to work around those. So we waived the testing requirements temporarily so that we could go ahead and get all the new graduates for medical school, uh, PA programs, and NP programs into work. We worked with health systems to get uh, residents into their fellowships. Uh, We also temporarily suspended the requirement for background checks. And then beyond that, you know, talking with health systems. What needs to happen so that health systems can move their providers around to be in the most efficient places so that they can better respond to patient needs? And so one of the things that we did was we allowed health systems to reallocate how they have their PAs situated without notifying us. Typically, we want for PAs to notify us when they have a new supervising physician. And in this case, we said that's an administrative barrier and it's not necessary in in these certain constructs. And so we temporarily waived that as well. So we were really listening to our stakeholders, finding out what were the problems. And then as we came up with solutions, we were going back to different groups to say, okay, what are the unintended consequences? Let's make sure that we're not creating a new problem by solving what we think is a problem. Great. Now, some of the requirements you mentioned that have been waived sound pretty essential. I would imagine, for example, it's important to know the results of a criminal background check before deciding whether to issue a license. Walk me through how the board got to the point where it was comfortable setting aside those requirements. Well, one of the things to keep in mind is that these are temporary decisions. So if we issue a license, for example, you mentioned without a background check, um, number one, first and foremost, we're able to get a lot of the information that we would need uh, from other sources. And we also have ongoing monitoring so that if there's an issue that pops up, we're made aware of it. But eventually, all the people that we licensed who did not provide a background check, we will go back and get those once the state of emergency is over. And so, you know, the same with the testing. We are not allowing people to remain fully licensed in perpetuity without some of these critical pieces of information. So it, it is temporary. We could get a lot of the information that we needed, and we will go back and um, and get some of those requirements from the okay. licensee. Okay. So there will be a number of people who were licensed during this period who will ultimately have to go back and take that medical license exam or complete that criminal background check. That's right. Okay, great. Now, tell me a little bit more about that second piece, the communication piece. What has NCMB been involved in in that regard? One of the things that's really important when you're in a crisis is having a unified voice, being able to make sure that the people you're trying to reach get the most accurate and up-to-date information. You know, part of the challenge with the pandemic is that information was coming out so fast. Information was changing. CDC guidance was changing, not just weekly or daily. Sometimes it was hour by hour. 
And, you know, the challenge for the communications department is cutting through some of the noise. And so we worked with DHHS to make sure that whenever there was new CDC guidance or new guidance they wanted us to send out, uh, that we were blasting that out to our licensees. Uh, And so we, we were in a position to be of great support and help to DHHS. Right. We also worked with our stakeholder groups to make sure that if there was a a change to a rule uh, or a requirement, if we had an order that was waiving a requirement or we were temporarily suspending a requirement, that we could get that information out quickly. And then the last piece to this is compiling all of the information in one spot on our website Uh, that would allow people to go to one location so that they could get all the latest information. And so we worked really hard to make sure that we were keeping that up to date, that it was well organized, and that we were pushing it out every time there was an update. Great. So um, tell me a little bit more about the stakeholder relationships. I know that you've been working on and building those relationships up for the past several years now. Absolutely. So one of the wonderful things about having these relationships with the member associations and healthcare association and and, um, even with malpractice carriers is you never know exactly who a licensee is going to listen to. So making sure that we can get information out to all those what I might call communication partners so that then they can reiterate that to licensees means that they're getting the same message consistently from different sources and it helps to, to cut through some of that. But even beyond the work of the communications department, One of the reasons why the medical board was able to be so nimble and responsive during this pandemic is because within different departments at our organization, we have those contacts at other agencies so that when, you know, somebody in our legal department picks up the phone and calls them, they're able to reach the person who's making a decision. You know, whether that's in the governor's office or in DHHS or with the medical schools you know, having that trusted connection with the right people uh, means that we're able to to help them make good decisions. So the stakeholder relationships have really had a big impact on the medical board's ability to be nimble and responsive. Great. It sounds like it. Okay. Last question. Um, So COVID-19 vaccination is well underway in our state. Schools are bringing students back The governor is easing restrictions on restaurants and other businesses. So there are signs everywhere that things are returning to normal, whatever that's going to look like. Um, I'm wondering what you see as the one or two most important lessons learned from COVID that the medical board can sort of keep in its back pocket for the next time some sort of disaster strikes. Well, you know, I I do like this question because it really gets you to think about how are you going to improve? You know, we have a a culture at the medical board of improving on our processes and kind of debriefing, taking a step back to look and see what you could have done differently, what worked well, you know, what maybe you could change going forward. And it is my sincere hope that it is another hundred years before the next pandemic. But the reality is the next disaster is coming up during hurricane season or, you know, when there's a flood. Uh, So one of the things that I will say as a lesson learned is we were in a very good position coming into the pandemic to bring forward our experience with the limited emergency licenses. You know, we were starting from a good point. But now beyond that, looking forward, we have put in a lot of time and energy to be more 
digitally oriented? You know, so what are some of the processes that we can make electronic? You know, in the mad rush for uh, for all the staff to get situated to telework, what were some of the workflows and the processes that we can now make electronic? How can we change our work to be less paper-based? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the, the shift to virtual meetings is a great example of how an in-person experience was successfully shifted over to a virtual environment. And beyond that, what are the rules or regulations or laws that we can look at to change so that we can be more digital? There are still some aspects to the licensing process where we have agencies are required to send us a piece of paper. Well, we can take that piece of paper and digitize it, but the agency that's sending it to us is required to send it in a physical copy. So, you know, there's some things we don't have control over, but we really did learn a great lesson about the power of being able to work effectively uh, in a remote environment. Hmm. And then I think the other lesson that was brought to bear was the importance of taking a breath. You know, when things are moving so quickly and the environment is chaotic, it's, and, and sometimes you're even being pressured to make a decision, make a quick decision because things are moving so fast, we gotta make a decision real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to step out of that environment, you know, it was described to me initially as um, making decisions in the red zone. You're not always going to make the best decisions in the red zone. Being able to recognize that making a decision quickly doesn't mean you're making the right decision. And it's an environment where you could set up a situation with full of unintended consequences. So being able to step out of it for a moment, think about what are our goals? What is our mission? What's our mandate? You know, is this, how is this going to protect patients better? How is this going to make our licensees more effective at responding to the pandemic? And now that we have the vaccine, uh, multiple vaccines, how are we going to position our licensees to be more effective at getting the patient population vaccinated? You know, that's a very different part of the pandemic. So being able to take a breath and think about what is our ultimate goal and then thoughtfully make those decisions instead of getting caught up in the moment. Great. Well, I may be biased because I am inside the organization, but it it sounds like there was quite a lot of that uh, thoughtfulness um, and deliberation happening regardless of the emergency that COVID created for the board. I would say that from top to bottom, uh, we have a lot of very experienced people on staff who were able to think through what are the things that are critical and what are the things that, you know, what, what are the decisions that we need to make so that we can continue working towards patient protection? Okay, well, great. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add before we conclude? I would just like to thank the staff for everything that they did to make sure that we could keep, not just keep the doors open, in terms of continuing to process complaints and continuing to process licenses, but just the sincere dedication that they had to enduring and thriving, succeeding in such a difficult environment. And the licensees in our state really just have unending respect for what they've endured over the past year. It has certainly been a year, but I, I appreciate your comments. Um, I, I do feel uh, that when you look at our annual report, there really is a thread of or a theme of resilience that 
that runs through it because we all have had to be resilient because of the pandemic. So uh, good point. And uh, with that, um, I just want to thank you for joining me and thank you for taking me through the medical board's role in the pandemic response. I hope our listeners find it informative. Thank you so much. That brings us to the end of another episode of MedBoard Matters. As always, if you have comments or suggestions, please email them to podcast at ncmedboard.org. Thank you for listening, and please do join me again. This podcast is produced by the North Carolina Medical Board. The North Carolina Medical Board exists for the benefit and protection of the people of North Carolina.